Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says no to LGBTQ activists. The Mormon Church reverses its policies on LGBTQ parents. San Francisco police have arrested a man accused of slashing and nearly severing the hand of a gay man. Chastin Buttigieg made a splash this weekend speaking at the Human Rights Campaign's annual dinner in Houston, Texas. And CNN's Don Lemon got engaged. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. LGBTQ activists in Israel are angry after meeting with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at his residence Sunday, where he reportedly told them he could not promise to promote LGBTQ equality after the upcoming elections this Tuesday. It was Netanyahu's first meeting with LGBTQ leaders in 10 years. According to the Times of Israel, Netanyahu said opposition from religious and ultra-Orthodox parties blocked him from meeting their demands. In a statement from the group following the meeting, the representative said the prime minister refused to commit himself to promoting equality of rights as a condition for the establishment of the coalition and expressed concern about the opposition of the religious factions in any coalition that will be established. With the final polls showing Netanyahu's party neck and neck with his opponent's blue and white party, some political pundits say the prime minister took the meeting for the photo op, knowing he wouldn't act on behalf of Israel's LGBTQ community. With that in mind, it's no wonder the estimated 500,000 LGBTQ voters in Israel aren't leaning in Netanyahu's direction. A recent poll showed only 6% of LGBTQ voters in Israel plan to cast their ballot for Netanyahu's party in the upcoming election on April 9th while 31% say they favor the blue and white party. LGBTQ leaders in Israel are concerned as anti-gay rhetoric has grown more intense in recent years. In February, the Association for LGBTQ Equality sent a report to Israel's President Rivlin, which documented a 54% jump from 2017 to 2018 in homophobic incidents. The Mormon Church, also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, has announced a reversal of its 2015 policy and will allow the children of LGBTQ parents to be baptized. Beginning immediately, LGBTQ parents will be able to request a blessing for their child or children. At the age of eight, a church member will contact the parents and propose that the child have a baptism. While certainly good news, the church's position on same-sex marriage will remain unchanged, with gay Mormons being expected to remain celibate. The church's doctrine will remain that having same-sex attraction is not a sin, but acting on it is. However, the Mormon church will no longer label same-sex couples apostates, or one who abandons a religious belief or principle. The church added that the shift in policy positions come in part 
as an effort to reduce the hate and contention so common today. This all comes on the heels of the governor of Utah signing a new tougher hate crimes law to help, in part, address the rising tide of anti-LGBTQ violence. San Francisco police have arrested a man accused of slashing and nearly severing the hand of a gay man at a roller rink on March 29th. The alleged attack happened at about 9.50 p.m. outside the Church of Eight Wheels Roller Rink. The accused, 30-year-old Lior Berglund, was reportedly hanging around the roller rink with a sword tucked in the back of his pants and wearing a red flannel shirt and red MAGA hat, the preferred headgear of Donald Trump's supporters. The San Francisco Chronicle reports the victim, 27-year-old Gabriel Gaussen, passed Berglund on the street and swatted the MAGA hat off his head. Prosecutors wrote in court papers that Berglund, quote, suddenly reached back as if to punch the victim, but instead quickly brought his hand down, holding what the victim thought was an umbrella or nightstick. Instead, it was a sword which partially severed Gaussen's hand. He was treated at San Francisco General Hospital where he had to undergo emergency hand surgery. The owner of the roller rink, David Miles Jr., told NBC News that Berglund was mostly yelling anti-gay rhetoric during the incident. Police tracked down Berglund after matching fingerprints on a beer bottle and the MAGA hat that was left behind at the crime scene with a sword that was found by a security guard two days later. The weapon, wrapped in a red flannel shirt, had a matching fingerprint on it. The MAGA hat is notable in reporting this story because hate crimes have surged since Donald Trump took office. The FBI has reported that hate crimes had their biggest increase since 9-11 in 2017. And, as Miles reported, Berglund used anti-gay slurs during the attack. Berglund told the arresting officers he was home at the time of the assault and challenged them saying, what do you have on me? Nothing, because I didn't do it. He was charged, however, with attempted murder, mayhem, and assault with a deadly weapon. The San Francisco Chronicle reports that Berglund appeared defiant during his first appearance in court. He didn't enter a plea, but argued with his own public defender saying, why are you telling me to be quiet? You just basically implied that I did it. That said... Judge Donna Little set his bail at $250,000. A spokesman for the district attorney's office told the San Francisco Chronicle, no one has a right to strike someone with a sword because their hat was knocked off their head. Chastin Buttigieg, husband to Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, made a splash this weekend speaking at the Human Rights Campaign's annual gala in Houston, Texas. Taking to the stage, he started his speech saying, So, I've had a busy couple of months. Never underestimate what can happen when you agree to go on a date with a cute guy from South Bend, Indiana. Judge also joked about the possible history he could be a part of, saying, I could be the first man in history to pick out the White House China. On the importance of passing the Equality Act, which would add LGBTQ protections to the Constitution under existing civil rights laws, Buttigieg praised the HRC for the work it's done over the past years, adding, we need someone in the White House who will sign the Equality Act into law. And luckily, I know a guy. As I've reported before, Mayor Pete has quickly gone from what some might have pegged as a niche candidate for president to a mainstream contender, and Chaston is part of that whole equation. Here's Chaston's full speech at the HRC dinner 
in Houston, Texas. Thank you so much, Crystal, for your kind introduction. Uh, I would also like to thank Mayor Turner, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson-Lee, Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, and the rest of the elected leadership in the room. I am truly honored and energized to address such a vibrant crowd here in the Lone Star State. Honestly, none of this would be possible without Chad Griffin and the Human Rights Campaign, so thank you so much for all that you do. So I've had a busy couple months. Uh, never underestimate what can happen when you agree to go on a date with a cute guy from South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> Truthfully, being Pete's husband has already been the adventure of a lifetime. I now live in a world where people take photos of me in the deodorant aisle at the grocery store. <laughs> but it is not lost on me that I was able to marry the man I love by the grace of one Supreme Court vote. And behind that vote lies decades of struggle, organizing, and advocacy led in large part by the Human Rights Campaign. I could be the first man in history to pick out the White House China. And that is only possible because of you. So thank you. The Human Rights Campaign was there for me long before I met my husband. When I was 18 years old, I worked up the courage to tell my parents that I was gay. And while we have a great relationship now, back then, things weren't easy. Eventually, I thought to myself, I can't be here anymore. So I moved out without a plan. I was scared, living between my car and friends' couches up in Traverse City, Michigan. I was taking classes at the community college where I heard about HRC. I signed up and I proudly slapped that HRC sticker on the back bumper of my car. It was like a bat signal to let other queer people know I was one of them. My way of finding community, of finding a home at a time when I didn't have one. Many of us know the loneliness that comes with coming out. Even today, years later, it can be a painful, isolating experience, and you can only hope to meet someone who understands you, who tells you that you matter and that you belong. Mrs. Bach, my high school drama teacher, did that for me. She knew I needed a place where I could feel safe, so she let me hide in the auditorium on tougher days. She's the reason I'm a teacher, why I studied theater education, and why I advocate for the arts today. And now I get to show up for my students in the same way she showed up for me. Not long ago, a few students asked if I could be their diversity club advisor. So I opened up my classroom and gave them a space to just be. They asked me the questions they've been holding in and I answered speaking truthfully about the difficulties they might face. I couldn't sugarcoat the dangers out there. There's no denying we've made progress. In less than a decade, we've achieved marriage equality and overturned Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But the safety and security of LGBT Americans is still at risk every day. Trans Americans, and in particular, black trans women, face horrifyingly high murder rates. 
The President of the United States is trying to ban transgender people from serving their country. And Texas's legislature is working to deny LGBT people the full expression of themselves. And in more states than not, you can still legally be fired because of who you are and who you love. Your work at HRC Houston is so urgent and important. The fight for LGBTQ equality did not end when same-sex marriage was legalized. Today, yes. Today, we have a patchwork of protections that vary depending on which side of a state border you live on. But your zip code should not determine your right to work, your right to learn, your right to live free of discrimination. It shouldn't determine whether you're entitled to the full blessing of the United States of America. That's why the Equality Act has to be our community's top federal legislative priority. LGBT people deserve full protection from discrimination, whether you are from Texas or whether you're from Indiana. My students deserve that. Your loved ones deserve that. All the people who haven't told the world who they are, who are terrified there's no space for them, deserve that. We need someone in the White House who will sign the Equality Act into law. And luckily, I know a guy. My husband, Pete Buttigieg, you can call him Mayor Pete, was commissioned as a naval intelligence officer when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still the law of the land, and served a seven-month tour in Afghanistan when a certain vice president was governor of his home state. Peter is ready to serve our country in the highest office. And just as importantly, I think America is ready for him. Because of the heroic work that you have done over the decades to help make this country more equal and more just. Over the last three months of traveling the country at his side, meeting people from all walks of life, we have discovered that people are united in protecting our values of freedom, democracy, and security. Especially freedom, to live an authentic life regardless of who you love or how you identify. And we have that freedom only because of the relentless determination of courageous activists and advocates like all of you, who narrow the gap between the country we are and the country we can be, the country we should be. It's like what Harvey Milk said, burst down those closet doors once and for all and stand up and start to fight. So this is our moment to keep standing up and keep fighting for an even better tomorrow. Thank you. What to watch this week? Here's something I can't wait for. The new miniseries from FX, Fosse Verdon, will tell the story of two brilliant, complicated individuals, the love they shared, the art they created, and the price they paid in the pursuit of greatness. The first, Bob Fosse, visionary filmmaker and one of the theater's most influential choreographers and directors, and Gwen Verdon, considered by many the greatest Broadway dancer of all time. The good news for Broadway fans is dancers and choreographers who really understand Fosse style are in the mix, making sure the iconic Fosse Verdon dance style is captured accurately in lots of dance sequences. Because Fosse's dance style is so specific, it took a team of people from choreographers Andy Blankenbuehler and Susan Meisner to the Verdon Fosse Legacy, a foundation run by Verdon and Fosse's daughter, Nicole Fosse, to make sure that the movement was accurate. 
The Verdon Fosse Legacy's mission is to promote, preserve, and protect the artistic and intellectual property of Bob Fosse and Gwyn Verdon. The miniseries will span five decades exploring the romantic and creative partnership between Bob Fosse and Gwyn Verdon. As Bob journeys from Broadway choreographer to award-winning director of stage and screen, he fuels his manic creativity with drugs, alcohol, and sex often abusing his celebrity and power to feed his appetites. Gwen goes from a legendary triple threat winning four Tony Awards in six years to an actress struggling to stay relevant in an industry obsessed with youth and novelty and double standards. Through it all, and this is important folks, Gwen continues to play a vital role in Bob's work, not only as the greatest interpreter of his choreography, but as a largely unrecognized collaborator, even as their marriage unravels in the face of Bob's increasingly self-destructive tendencies. The series will feature show-stopping choreography, including original pieces, as well as some of the most iconic works of their careers. I'm so excited to see this, folks. Fosse Verdon premieres Tuesday, April 9th on FX. Sean Hayes of Will and Grace fame is teaming up with producers Mike Schur and Gabe Liedman to bring an LGBTQ animated spy comedy titled Q-Force to Netflix. The streaming platform has reportedly ordered a 10-episode first season of the show. Hayes and Schur will co-produce, and Liedman is on board as the showrunner and executive producer. TV Line reports that the show is, quote, about a handsome secret agent and his team of fellow LGBTQ super spies. Constantly underestimated by their colleagues, the members of Q-Force have to prove themselves time and again as they embark on extraordinary professional and personal adventures. Hayes is rumored to be the voice of the lead character, but Netflix has not confirmed. CNN Tonight anchor Don Lemon announced he is engaged to boyfriend Tim Malone after the real estate agent popped the question while celebrating his birthday. The 53-year-old journalist shared the news on his social media this weekend with a photo of their two dogs' collars asking, Daddy, will you marry Papa? Lemon added the caption, He gave me a present on his birthday. How could I say no? The couple have been dating since 2016. Congratulations to the happy couple. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And I want to give a special shout out to Scott Fullerton of Left of Straight Media, who's syndicating The Randy Report podcast on his own successful network. Scott airs my news roundups paired with my past interview episodes as part of a three-hour block of talk radio programming on Wednesdays. He starts with an hour of current events talk radio with his co-host Craig Hurley at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by The Randy Report at 5 p.m., and then talk radio show Voices for Change 2.0 with husband and wife team Joe and Rebecca Lombardo. Thanks, Scott, for helping spread the word of The Randy Report podcast. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.